Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Choose some good values. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, and of course, it's going to be reflecting your personal values. And, you know, I'm not saying that you can kind of divorce that, but, you know, at least should try to find whatever it is you value that that is not just about you, you know, but it's like, it's actually worth optimizing on for a culture. That is a clip from today's guest and fellow Norwegian, Sandra Rask. He's the co-founder and CEO of Safety Wing, a company that's building a global social safety net for remote workers and nomads through their health insurance products. And I thought this was a hugely important episode because when it comes right down to it, remote work, travel, there are a lot of issues when you start roaming around the world and you're not based in your home country, you want to be covered medically. And perhaps if you are running an organization, you want to make sure those that work with you are covered, medically speaking, dental, all that stuff. And these are the logistics that absolutely need to be figured out. I think that's one of the first questions a lot of people have when they're looking to make a transition to travel. Maybe they want to go nomadic or start working around the world. It's like, hey, let me make sure I'm covered and I'm safe. So of course, we have a whole section of this show on travel and remote work insurance 101 to give you the overview on what they have to offer. And it's uh, really unique because this company has been a champion for remote work and the nomadic lifestyle. So they're very in tuned with some of the unique challenges that come with that lifestyle. And this, of course, exploded with COVID, but they've been doing this for a long time, well before the pandemic. So we're going to get into all of the insurance stuff that you need to get out there and be covered and travel the world safely. We get into leadership. Sandra shares his approach to leadership as a CEO leading this charge in the nomad and remote work space. How and why focusing on a greater mission can give you purpose and help you through some of those difficult times. The importance of defining a mission and values, not only for an organization that you might run, but for yourself. Why that's so important. A powerful quote that he always goes back to and revisits when he's feeling stuck. He shares how some of the unique aspects of his cultural background growing up in Norway translate to his life in Silicon Valley and how he uses some of his own cultural background to his advantage in business and in life. And so much more. Tons packed into this episode and it's coming at you right now. So buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here and... Welcome to the Zero to Travel Podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel Podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. You heard at the top many of the subjects we're covering today, the essentials around insurance when it comes to traveling, but much more than that getting into values, missions, leadership, and a bit on building the first internet country. 
a very fascinating project that Sandra has been tied into for a while. And I really enjoyed just exploring some of the challenges around where remote work is going and what they are actively doing to be part of the solution. And somebody has to do it, <laughs> right? If we want things to work and we want to be able to roam, uh, we need to have coverage insurance-wise. And more than that, this idea of this social safety net and living in Norway myself and seeing how much of a benefit that is. This actually comes up in the interview a bit. The, the benefit of having a good system that works that you can be a part of takes a lot of pressure off in many ways. And if we are able to build that for everybody, if somebody's able to build that for everybody, that's a big win for people that want to get out there and roam. And that's one of the things that they're working towards with this idea for a borderless future and this first country on the internet and all these things. So fascinating chats. Stick around on the back end. I'm going to share a quote and a shout out to somebody in this community who is doing a very cool thing <laughs> this summer in my neck of the woods. And I am very excited for them. And I love to share wins from the community. So stick around for that. I do want to mention one last thing. I do have an affiliate link with Safety Wing. I am an ambassador for them. So if you go to zerototravel.com slash safety wing, you'll land on a page where you can see some of their products. And if you go through that link, you'll uh, also be supporting the show. So thank you. And I want to thank Safety Wing for supporting today's show. I didn't want to have them on and, and just tell you a little bit about them in 60 seconds. I thought this deserves a deep dive uh, on these insurance products and some of this other stuff because there's way too much to unpack when it comes to remote work and, and being a nomad and doing it in a way that that's smart and also in a way that we can build a future where people can roam and they can be supported and they can have that social safety net and, and all of these issues, the deep topics. So we got a full podcast with them. So I'm very fortunate to have him back on the show. Let's get into it. And I will see you on the other side, my friend. Listen, I, I live here. My fam, my kids are half Norwegian. Oh, uh, you uh, are so you're basically Norwegian. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm actually a citizen now. Okay, so you got to hurry and learn Norwegian. What, what's up with that? <laughs> yeah, I took uh, 500 hours of Norsk course, which is the Norwegian class. Well, it's cool because Norway actually includes that if you're here on a family immigration That's visa. Great. So it was all paid for. So I, I better do this because at some point my kids, I'm not going to understand them. And they're going to start talking about me and they're going to figure out like they can say things in front of me and, and I won't know what's going on it's just it's a survival thing really yeah Sorry. yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i'm excited to have you back we got sandra rosk here welcome back to the zero to travel podcast my friend good to be back i mean last time we did this i don't know if you recall we were outside of a cafe in lila Toyen, and then you you had to run to catch a flight and i think i got so caught up in like chatting with you about the future of you know, the borderless world and all the things we were talking about. It was a great interview, by the way. I re-listened to it. And then I was like, oh my gosh, did he actually make his flight? <laughs> Do you, did you make your flight? Do you remember? You know, this uh, probably, you know, this was slightly less careful me where I would do that with every fight, just timing the minute they close to check the gate, <laughs> you know, the last person, you know, if I'm the last, if I arrive when everyone else is boarded, but it's not closed, I would consider that a win. Yeah. I mean, you were that guy. See, I'm always the opposite. I'm like the guy that will sit in the terminal for three hours and just buy a bunch of magazines because I'm maybe I'm a nervous Nelly when it comes to missing flights. Do you remember if you made the flight or not? I think you were flying to San Francisco. So it was kind of a big one. <laughs> I, 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 I think I hope so. I did certainly make it to San Francisco. I, I, I've been living there for the last few years. Uh, so we've created places there. But, you know, well, believe it or not, that was almost four years ago. Yeah. Which is crazy. So, I mean, Safety Wing has grown a ton since then, which we're going to talk about. But I, I'm wondering how you've grown as an individual. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, I, I remember that conversation. You were one of the first people we talked to about, like, the big, the big, the big ideas with Safety Wing. 
So I really appreciate that conversation, by the way. You know, I appreciate the the, the early noticing of that. Um, no, I mean it's been it's been uh, it's been great. I mean, how have I grown? You know, one way I've had to grow is just that you know you it's very different. When we talk, I'm guessing we're like the founders, you know, and, and a freelancer helping out on on design, and, and now we're a hundred people here in Tulum, <laughs> right? So it's just just, you know, responding to that challenge and living up to the, you know, what, what comes with the, 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 the changing roles of like just being a larger group and sustaining, you know, purpose and motivation and, and organization. Uh, you know, it's, it, you kind of figure out one problem at a time. It's not like you're kind of constructing a future self, but looking back, you know, I probably have learned a lot about those things, <laughs> you know, the hard way. So uh, that's probably, you know, my biggest uh, journey since last we spoke. Yeah. How do you like being a CEO? I'm, uh, I'm completely fine with uh, that. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess there are like a couple of like unhealthy ways to deal with being a CEO. One would be like, like very uncomfortable with it. So like shying away from decisions uh, or problems, right? That could be one way that would be unhealthy or another would be like, you know, like kind of too happy about it and sort of like, uh, right. like an ego driven <laughs> kind of way. E ego driven. Yeah. Thinking that it's about me somehow. And, um, and I think, um, steering uh past th those two kind of like major traps uh doesn't mean that there's not a learning curve but i think uh i yeah my my approach to to being a ceo is that i am well it's like i'm trying to you're exactly right the the, the key thing is the opposite of ego it's like to identify sort of with the collective and like you you are sort of like almost like a side part like me as a person doesn't matter and then it's like fulfilling the obligations of the role, which is, you know, it's, it's, there are just a couple of tasks that, that come with that and sort of trying to figure out what that is that broadly boil down to creating this zeitgeist, you know, mission, vision, values, goals thing, and talking about that internally and externally, like I'm doing now. And, uh, and another part of the role is, uh, ensuring that we succeed, you know, which is to like pay attention to what's not working or falling apart and then just intervening to try to fix that. And that's a, that's like a whole ecosystem of problems. So I'm always dealing with the worst problems, uh, in the company. Um, but that I don't mind that because I'm a fairly positive person. Like I just have like some, you know, fortunate things with my personality that, I, I find it's really useful here, but yeah, so I don't have that much negative emotion and I also, um, very positive outlook on everything. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. You, you got great energy. I mean, we, I was hoping, I was really hoping we could do this in person cause we got to do it last time. And, and when we got to meet, I was, I was hoping we could do it again, but it, it the, the fates, the fate wasn't aligned, I guess the stars weren't aligned. You mentioned like kind of yeah, me as a person doesn't matter, I think, were the words you used. And and really, I think that's one of the best ways to take the ego out of the equation is to really just focus on like your customers and who you're serving. And then the greater mission, which I think you guys have consistently done since your existence, really. Like, I mean, if you go to the website, you see it, you're building a global social safety net for remote workers and nomads through, their, through your health insurance products, essentially. So it's a much broader way to look at things than to just say, we sell insurance. <laughs> you know, I guess I'm looking for some advice here for people like that are running a company of any size, whether you're like a solopreneur or you're in the startup world or whatever, maybe you're just a part of an organization and you, and you want to have that kind of purpose and motivation for yourself and kind of inspire others towards um, some kind of greater purpose. Cause I really think that's the thing ultimately that can get you out of bed every day over, you know, months and years. Yeah. I would just love to hear some of your advice from what you've learned over the last several years doing this. Yes. Uh, well, you know, it's funny because this is the theme of this gathering. So it's like, it's very top of mind, you know, because we're in this place called, uh, dreams in Tulum. So we were like, let's make that the theme. 
we just say it's the dreams, it's the theme. <laughs> I guess the first thing is that, and you're right, this is something that I am, you know, preoccupied with. I was preoccupied with also pre-safe doing in the sense that for the reason you say, like the vision and to the degree that it is compelling and clear and like motivating, then it plays this can play this crucial part for motivation. Um, and for, I guess you could call it like unification, you know, it's, it becomes something you optimize against. And, and that can be really psychologically useful for everyone in the organization if it's sufficiently good. Uh, so, you know, a dream is, you know, one part of being a dream is just like, it's just where you want to get to, you know, it's like, I have this dream of something, right? It could be anything for us. It's to build this country on the internet and a global social safety net. That's, that's our dream. <laughs> and, you know, we, that was also when we last spoke, but we've filled that with a lot more details since then. Um, and I think that, you know, when that is strong, then it kind of pulls you through difficult times. So a lot of like minor inconveniences become like very large if you, if there's no reason for it. So like, it's like, it, it, why am I doing this boring job? Because this important mission, <laughs> right? There is this end to my work that's worth it. You know, that's the logic and you, you can't fool your brain. So you kind of have to improve the vision until it qualifies. That, that's one thing. It's just like, you know, just don't, you know, that we continuously work and work. It's the theme of this gathering is how can we improve the vision? How can we make it clear, more inspiring? Because then it also pulls stronger. You know, it becomes this like uh, magnet in the future uh, that pulls us towards it. Uh, uh, if it's if it's clear, if it's colorful, if it's vivid, and if it's um, believable, that's also you know helpful. Yeah, and the word you used before was compelling. I think that was a great choice of words as well because it's uh, compelling and motivating. Were, were two of the words that stuck out to me. We're going to actually go through and do a, a, a sort of a travel insurance one hundred and one because I, I think that you guys fill a pretty big and important hole in, in a lot of your products. So I want to get into some of that and just like, just as an overview for any, any travelers out there that are looking to, you know, be covered while they're on the road, which is everybody should. I've, I've never, I don't think I've ever traveled without travel insurance. It's just like not a smart thing to do. So anyway, we'll, we'll dive into the 101 there. But yeah, as far as the, the running of a remote team, you know, this is obviously more prevalent than ever because even companies that did not want to have remote employees were forced to do it. And now some of them have finally seen like, they've seen the light. And they're like, you know, this is the stuff that Sandra and I have been talking about for years. You know, you know, people are like, Oh yeah, this remote work thing is kind of cool. You know, what's the zoom thing? Like everybody knows what it is now. You know, you've been able to build a certain culture within your company and that's important to any company. Right. And, and doing that, with a remote workforce and now you have a hundred employees. So I think this is, it's, it's really going to be interesting to hear what you say, because this is like a whole other level, like you said, from where we were out in little toy and cafe some years ago, how do you build a culture like that and, and maintain it? You know, I, I had another company before called Superside, which is still doing really well. It's run by uh, Frederick, my co-founder, who's also in Oslo, by the way. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Are you still in Oslo? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good. Same place, like Twain? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm in Amarud now. I don't know if you know where that is. It's a little bit outside of the city, but... Oh, uh, yeah. I've seen it on signs, but I haven't walked around yeah. a lot. There, but, um, <laughs> we'll have you over for dinner next time you come back. Nice. Thank you. Looking forward to it. So, okay. So, uh, I did uh, learn, you know, when I was early in my career, I sort of read that values thing as it just sort as corporate BS. And so I didn't do it. And then after the first time around, I realized, oh, shoot, it's I now I understand it. It's actually really important. It's like an MVP, minimum viable product of a culture is mission and values. So once you have that, you, you know, that's the pieces, that's the key pieces you have for for a culture. And, uh, and so I spent a lot of time thinking about that. And you know, you can't just put anything. I think this is also what I see a lot of startups do is that they hear that it's important and then they just wing it. They just come up with something they like. 
But the values you're supposed to like optimize on them in every context, in every like job for the duration of the company. And if you do it well, it becomes these like gathering points that people always reference. Oh yeah, this is like that value and this is like that value. So so it sort of it defines the personality of the organization um, after a while. So it has to be like some values are better than others, you know, is one way to to look at it. And and what you're what we were trying to find was what I was trying to find was what's always true and, and good. And we wrote, you know, one early article, which we still use to this day, which is just called How to Treat Each Other in Safety Wing. And that had like three things that I had meditated on for a while and thought, okay, this is, this is always true and, and it's important in a culture. And one was uh, people make mistakes and that's okay. Um, and then the second was improvements are always possible. And the third was all problems are solvable. Um, and of course, different culture will have different values, but that was like, you know, uh, some of those we had in the beginning and that has really shaped the company over time. So like when I look at the team today, th- this is really noticeable. Like it's a very nice place to work because of, we were able, we, from the beginning had this like thing that making mistakes, daring, making mistakes is okay there, it, because it's necessary to be creative. Like if, uh, and, um, and also this kind of optimism built in where we kind of approach problems with this, you know, not, not naivety, but like, like, yeah, let's, let's, let's give it a go. Uh, and, uh, and that, so, so yeah, so, so that's, that was, you know, our, our little personal journey there. So, okay. So that's point one is like, you, you choose some good values, <laughs> You know, it's, uh, and of course it's going to be reflecting your personal values and, you know, I'm not saying that you can kind of divorce that, but, you know, at least should try to find whatever it is you value that, that is, you know, not just about you, you know, but it's like, it's actually worth optimizing on for a culture. And then, you know, the other part is, you know, we built this whole mythology around it. You know, that's, <laughs> you know, we have these birds on the website this is now, it's like all the words in the company are these like birds, words. Everyone in the company, when they join, they like choose a bird. And then this illustrator draws a version of them as a bird. And that's their avatar in the company. <laughs> and it's like on their business card. It's hilarious. You know, we just, we, this is, uh, a lot of this stuff we just did for fun. We didn't like think, oh, we're going to make a, a culture. But, um, but, you know, and now it's this whole you know, ecosystem of stuff like that, who that constantly reinforces the, the the values and the culture and just makes it interesting and memorable. Yeah. I mean, it's important to keep the fun around too, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing that values for a company also translate as a good personal values as well. You mentioned the first one kind of being around making mistakes. How do you approach failure just as an individual? I don't mind it, really. Um, <laughs> I think... Um, Part of the job, I guess, huh? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's... I think... And I'm not sure if it's possible to succeed with a startup without tolerating failure. Um, the journey here with the company, or like every step... It's like, it's almost like you're, you're walking blindfolded through a forest and then every step you're like feeling the next step, right? And then you think you have something that's solid ground and then you take the next step. <laughs> and, and that's like the only way, you know? So if you're like, if you're really bummed out, like every time you feel somewhere and you're like, oh, no, that's, that's water, no, that's a bog you're just never going to get through it. It's just ridiculous. Or if you insist, no, I'm going to take the first step. That has to be the right one because I'm uh, so smart. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, um, it's not going to work. So, so that's roughly how I, I feel it. I'm not that, there are exceptions to this. You know, sometimes I, like everyone else can get caught up. Like I can get needlessly attached or enthusiastic about a particular idea. (laughs) <laughs> and sometimes there might be good reason to that, right? Maybe there's something good about it and you just need to kind of work more on it, you know, to, to, to make it work. But, 
But, uh, you know, roughly I would say that we just cycled through the way to succeed in a startup, the way I deal with failure is the same, which is that I just uh, try different things until one of them works. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that there are any aspects of your upbringing in Norway? I have to ask a little bit about Norway being a Norwegian citizen now. You can't kick me out now, by the way. I'm a citizen. I, somebody's listening to this in the government. They're like, no, no, we'll find a way to kick you out. We, we've probably had enough of you. From that cultural background, is there is there anything that you've noticed that you think maybe gives you an advantage being in you know Silicon Valley and all the stuff kind of in the startup world that doesn't mean nobody else brings it to the table, but there is something unique when you come from a culture and then translate it to another culture. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are several things. One I really have had a lot of benefit from in the early days is that there is this Norwegian culture for using simple words which goes back a bit, you know, there is this old play everyone reads in, I think it's prime, no, it's probably middle school called Erasmus Montanus. Uh, and it's about this, this guy, this, the son of this family, and he goes to university in Denmark, Copenhagen, and then he comes back and then he likes add these Latin endings to all his words and he thinks it's better than everyone. And everyone just is like, thinks he's an idiot. <laughs> and that's like what the play is about. And it's, you know, that's, and that's, you know, a lot there. So you will find in Norway, this, um, you know, people t will use words that people understand uh, when they talk about subjects that are, you know, domain specific. And turns out that's a really good thing to have in a, in, a, in a startup. So in the early days, you know, this is one of the key things people do wrong is that they've been in some domain, right? Like, uh, you know, like insurance is a great example. And there is a bunch of insurance words. They've made their own vocabulary. I say they, maybe I should say we now, but I'm not identifying with this, this particular part. Um, and, uh, and which makes them kind of incomprehensible to other people. Um, but they kind of slice the world up slightly differently. And some of that is for good reason and, and some of it is not. But anyway, it makes it very hard to explain your product to customers or investors. So, you know, having that background just uh, helped me get that right off the bat. So that was, a, that was one I found really, really useful uh, Norwegian trait, use simple words. Yeah, communication. I, I remember I was at a party here in Oslo once and talking to a couple and somebody was describing Norwegian as a language as being economical. And I thought that was the perfect description <laughs> of the Norwegian language, right? Like I had not heard a better description. And in one word. <laughs> it's, it's in one word. It's very economical. You know, it's, I, I just explained this, you know, when I come back now. Uh, and I'm at the the border, and it's just so shocking. You know, I give my passport, and they were like, they looked at it to give it back, and they say, "Thanks." <laughs> that was the whole. That was the conversation. No, welcome back. Oh, you've been looking like, oh, a while. How are things? <laughs> are you excited to go eat some Norwegian salmon? You know. <laughs> yeah. No. That that was. Uh, it was very economical and. And, you know, first I was like, yeah, no, no, you don't want to know, like, and then, and then, but it's also kind of nice, you know, it's so easy, you know, it's so frictionless to flow through these interactions. And then I went to check in at the hotel and it was the same. <laughs> Thanks. Here. And that was the whole conversation. <laughs> How <to, laughs> End of, end of uh, dialogue. Getting uh, it done. It's extremely economical and, and simple and, uh. And uh, I actually really appreciate that. You know, we brought that, you know, we brought a lot of Norwegian culture accidentally into safety wing. This is one of them. You know, I, I never liked, you know, people do this thing in, in companies where they, uh, I don't know if you've ever been in one of these, but it's, it's very common where people will start producing these massive documents and then they send them out to everyone in the company. <laughs> and then they pretend that everyone reads them. <laughs> right. Nobody does. They did, their, they did their job. It's off their plate now. 
<laughs> and it's just such, you know, it's like, why are you doing this? Uh, so, um, so we, 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 we try to avoid that, you know, and to make these like very short, compelling summaries and just post that, you know, and kind of work on what you're saying there. And, uh, and that's one. And another one we really brought into the company that is very kind of Norwegian culture is, uh, it's this like deep egalitarianism, but people don't really understand it. I find people U S context, they think it's about taxes. It's not, it's like much deeper than that. It's like, well, I had this example, an early summer job where one of the kind of, uh, cleaner slash janitors, like something was wrong. And they just went up to this, you know, CEO and kind of like just walked in the door and kind of, you know, gave him a, told him off a bit and nobody like reacted to that. That, that was just completely normal. Of course he had to do that because it was, it was relevant. Uh, but yeah, so it's like people, it's not that it's like no hierarchy, but it's, but it's people are trusted if they're close to the problem kind of. And then they also just do things with autonomy. You know, it's very noticeable. This is actually something we have to onboard people a lot on when they come in, because we have people in safe doing from 70 different countries. It's a crazy international project. In some countries, you you really kind of get used to this thing where it's like, unless you've been explicitly said you can do something, you, you can't. While in Norway, it's more like, you know, you have this job and yes, there are these rules, but, you know, also use your judgment, of course, right? Also take responsibility to make sure it works as intended, of course. But this is, these things are just taken for granted. It's not said explicitly, but because we are, you know, from 70 different countries, we have to really work this into the onboarding and reiterate it over and over again, because it is different from how certain other corporate cultures work. Yeah. I mean, it's a global economy now, right? I mean, you can work with people from all over the world. So it's interesting and fascinating for me because I have not worked in Norway in a Norwegian organization. So I have not had that experience. I'm still working with people back in the States. So how is your vision for the borderless future coming along? I would say uh, pretty good. We, we roughly have the same vision we had when we first, I think, I'm, I'm curious, I'm going to go back and I wish I re-listened to it before this conversation. I'm going to go back right after to hear how I talk about it then, since this was so early. We roughly more or less think we are, we, we were correct and that what we think is bound to happen will happen. And that, you know, now we will probably explain it like, you know, the internet and remote work is changing the kind of the, the constraints of the world we live in. A lot of infrastructures become obsolete, like for nomads and remote teams. And then it has to be rebuilt in this digital global way. And, uh, and that includes some of the things that countries does. So we are still uh, aiming to complete, you know, the main goal of safety is to complete the global social safety net. So we're making these products one by one, you know, the health insurance, um, or the retirement we're launching later this year, the disability income protection. And then once we do all of those projects and understand those really well, then we're going to sew it together as a membership, like, I hope we can get to the point where it's like 10% of your income for all of the things, because that's what it is in Norway. That was our initial idea. That would be a very simple product. Yeah. You're creating your own governmental system kind of under your umbrella. Got exactly. It. That's, that's where we want to get to. And, uh, but that works equally well and is available for anyone in the world. So that's, that's the key one. And, and then we have this parallel track, country on the internet, which is we, uh, we were originally thinking, let's first complete the social safety net. And then we thought, this is probably the beginning of a, the first country on the internet um, because a big, such a big part of every country's budget is the social safety net. So that was how we thought about it in the beginning. Uh, when COVID happened, one of the things we changed was that we started working on the country and the internet sooner. And, uh, and we started that with a project called Plumia. So it's like, it's a nonprofit, but it's associated with safe doing and like we fund it. Um, and there's like a thousand volunteers there. 
It's uh, run by this person called Lauren Rosavi, who's supremely interesting, by the way. Definitely worth, if you want to double click, like go deep on that one, you actually might want to talk. Lauren is very interesting. She talked to the UN a couple of weeks ago about nomad visas. Yeah, nomad visas, by the way, is one of those things that was a prediction of ours that has like totally come true. Oh, yeah. We, yeah, it's huge we, now. It, it, isn't it interesting to see countries marketing themselves to people? Like, please come here. You know, it used to be like, they won't let you in. Now they're like, please. Yes. No, <laughs> I mean, I, depending on your passport, of course. But uh, yeah, depending I mean, on your that's passport. the big caveat, you know. It's like travel really isn't open for everybody, sadly. But yeah. Um, no, it isn't. It isn't. That's one of the problems we, we have to solve. But uh, yeah, so, you know, what we... But that's more in development still, how that will end. So this, we, we're trying to build a bit on our success with the Nomad visas, though. So I think it's like 45 countries have implemented that. And it's not that we are like, that's our product or anything, but, but we were certainly a proponent of it. And the first country, Barbados, you know, I had uh, talked to, to him, you know, he was inspired also by, by hearing our talking about it. So we certainly influenced it. And then, of course, everyone copied Barbados. Um, so, uh, we, we do find, you know, that we can, we want to bootstrap from there to eventually make something like a passport. So you can imagine you can have a dual citizenship in the future. You know, one is your, I guess, triple in your case, Norwegian and U.S. passport. And then you, you know, ha also have your, uh, internet country, um, which, you know, you can use for passing borders. Uh, we imagine that we could make this. Okay, here's the one idea. I don't know if I should, if this like tactically wise to sell, to explain this plan, but whatever. The, the, what we hope to do is to get everyone to adopt a nomad visa, create a nomad visa zone. So it's like you apply to one and you get all the countries at the same time. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then we associate that with a passport. So it's like, it's a passport, but it's also a visa to everywhere, which would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes sense. It sounds to me like you're just trying to pull together what is, you know, the crazy world we live in and just make it more accessible, which it needs to be to, you know, people can move now uh, more than ever. So I know you guys have Nomad 2.0 insurance and some of the other holes you're filling with what you're describing, because all of that you just described isn't, doesn't exist yet. Right. So therefore there's, there are, there have been traditionally, I think, missing elements as this world's evolved. And now it like it really went into like hyper mode when COVID hit because then all of a sudden people were free to, to roam around. And now, as we mentioned, like companies are, are switching over to the remote work model and things like that. So it's nice to know that we're not crazy, right? We've been talking about this stuff for years. <laughs> it's happening, uh, which is exciting. But, you know, you guys are filling some pretty important holes with the social safety net. So can you talk about like Nomad 2.0 insurance and kind of what holes you're filling and then maybe just get like general travel insurance one-on-one -on -one advice from you after that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Nomad insurance, out of the gate, we, you know, we made it for ourselves. We were nomads ourselves and you know so we knew that it had to have certain parameters it's very easy to buy easy to use you buy it on a subscription that's 42 dollars a month and you can have it indefinitely um and uh and, and we have like some a good portion of our customers are these like long-term nomads right so they're they're just for you know indefinitely in um away from their home country and, uh, but you can also pause it whenever, so you can kind of take it month or month or buy it for a specific period of time that you need that for some countries you need that, especially now to like uh, say, you know, to get the visa, you need to show that you have it and then you need to buy it for a, a period of time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know what it covers, you know, medical travel stuff, you know, what you, you would expect. It, it covers a lot more medical than other travel insurances. Um, this is something a lot of people don't know, but there are many travel insurances are so light on the medical stuff that is like barely covered. You know, very often it will be like minimally this, and then there's a very long list of exceptions. And then they, and, and even they, they say, and all of that, all we do is really fly you home. Um, so you can, where, where you have insurance. So it's not, you can't rely on that as like your thing, um, 
but with uh, nomad insurance you can so it's it's basically like a lightweight health insurance that you know covers everything uh and there's a $250 yearly deductible so it's like that it's kind of like, like you pay up to that yourself on a total over a year so it's like if you if you do one small thing at the beginning of the year and then a bigger one later you know still just 250 um and then it also covers up to $250,000 uh, per year um, in, in medical expenses, which um, it's possible to get over that, but we haven't had that case yet. So that's uh, roughly it. And then you just know that, you know, if your luggage is lost or things are stolen, you know, or, or you, you know, have to go to the hospital injury disease, then, you know, you're not broke and or, you don't have to make the choice of whether to be broke or 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 ill. Yeah, well, I mean that's one of the biggest struggles going on in the U.S. and had been going on for many years, decades. Right? Is it you're one injury away from? I mean, I can only speak from my experience, but anybody from the U.S. has probably been in the situation where you've been injured, and you're just like, "How much is this going to cost? Is it worth going to the hospital to get stitches for this?" or Maybe I should just use some, I don't know, something from the pharmacy. You know, and now have, having had that experience and then living in Norway and just seeing how much pressure it takes off of you to know that things are covered and you're not going to lose everything because of some crazy accident, which can happen and does happen to anybody, you know, it's a big deal. So it also gives you a bit more freedom in many ways. It's not like I don't have to get a part-time job to get my health insurance, you know? Well, I'm, I guess I'm bringing that up because that would be a big question for me and, and for what you guys do and just travel insurance in general. I'm a little bit out of the loop because I've been living out of the country for so many years, but I know there are some um, certain qualifications or certain things you have to fulfill to be covered back in the U.S., since uh, we have a large majority of listeners from the U.S. and all over the world, but how does that work? Like, do you are you covered in your home country when you go back? I mean, that's like an any country question. And then for the U.S. specifically, how does that how does that work? Do you does like having your insurance fulfill the requirements the government needs? Yeah, so you can go on nomad insurance. You can go home for up to so for thirty days, right? So it's made for nomads, which means this was a key thing when we added it because we knew. Our, ourselves as a customer would go home sometimes and um, that would be difficult. So you, you cover for up to 30 days when you go back, except if you go to the U.S. where it's 15 days. That's a local regulatory thing. And so you don't have to get a separate insurance for short trips home. If it's more than that, though, no man insurance as it is today does not cover home uh, country. And uh, this is something we do want to change in the future. And we have actually, you know, we developed our second product, Remote Health, which has taken off, um, exploded. Yeah, talk but, about that. Yeah. So Remote Health. So when we first launched Nomad Insurance, we were trying to build a global health insurance. Like we, we were, imagine just Nomad Insurance, but it also covers home country. That was what we were trying to build. And then we just hit these regulatory barriers at the end of it. And we're like, okay, let's just... You know, we just have to make that separately. We learned late in the process that that wasn't able. So, so we started working on that like the week after, you know, uh, we launched Nomad Insurance. We started working on, let's make a global health insurance. And that became Remote Health. And we launched that in 2020. Um, and Remote Health, there's two big differences, home country coverage and pre-existing conditions. So the way it works for nomad insurance is pre-existing conditions is not covered. So if you're on some treatment, ongoing treatment program, and then you buy nomad insurance, like but that also allows us not to ask about anything, right? You just sign up, uh, which take, you know, means it takes like two minutes. Um, but uh, for remote health, it is covered pre-existing conditions, which increases the price. And then it's a, it's a global health insurance. So, you know, you could, buy it. If you're in uh, Argentina and you live from Argentina, you could have buy it and just be on it, just like a normal health insurance in Argentina. But if you're abroad, you know, it's, it's also works there. 
So, and at the same time, we also open up this possibility for companies. This was something we kept getting asked over and over again in the beginning, was that companies would reach out and say, I want to buy this nomad insurance, but for our employees, and we didn't have a way. So we eventually built that at the same time in 2020. And this the timing on this was very fortunate. So this was March 3rd, 2020. And we had this launch event in San Francisco, and we were like, 10 years, most companies are going to be remote. And then the next weekend, everyone was remote. It actually happened like exactly like that was how it happened. People were not able to fly home. This is just as the kind of uh, lockdowns, you know, and the, the, the border closures rolled out at the beginning of COVID. So anyway, uh, so that product is just taken off and sort of growing 10x year over year. Um, and we're still That's like- for only- individuals and for companies yeah. that want to purchase for their their employees, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Great. And can we think of nomad insurance more as like traditional travel insurance, whereas remote health is is more of the traditional, like you said, global health coverage? So, I think I think that is uh, fair. Um, although there, <laughs> it's not as big a difference as you would think. But uh, but yes, it, for categorizing, I would say yes. Nomad insurance is like travel insurance that you can have forever. Uh, but, uh, and, and remote health is uh, just a traditional health insurance that would work like you think. Cool. Is it flexible and that, you know, for the spontaneous travelers out there that are all of a sudden like, Oh, you know, I just, whatever, I can't get enough of Italy. I'm going to stay here for another three months or, uh, you know, they meet somebody and they fly off to another country or whatever. You know, we never know where we're going sometimes as travelers. Can you adjust the policies pretty, pretty easily and kind of extend things or like, you know, even get it from abroad and things like that. How does that all work? It's uh, both of them are just like continuous subscriptions. Hey, monthly, you don't even have to say where you are. It's just active globally. We do say it, but it's, that's only so that if you request like documentation, but we actually don't have to. So if you just do that, you don't even have to update us. Uh, and the way it works is the same in every country, which also incidentally is how, you know, private health insurance works in every country, which is that, you know, you log in, you have a website, there's like your info, you can, the simplest way to use it is that you, you know, the, you call the number on the card and they're like, you know, and they can help you that's 24 seven and they will direct you to, to hospital. And then the hospital, um, um, bills us directly. So, you know, that's. That's that's sort of it as far as using it, and that's the same in Italy as in anywhere else. Are there any circumstances where you advise people not to get insurance? Like, you know, I, I have a friend who, for example, lives in Mexico, and he's like, "Well, it's just cheaper to pay out of pocket here." And I, I can relate to to this person, but you know, insurance covers those things that you haven't experienced yet. <laughs> it, it's like the summary. We. Uh, just ha- I just had you know someone on the team uh, who accidentally hadn't activated their nomad insurance. It's included, but they have to kind of activate it themselves. And uh, and he came down here and he went to the hospital and it was like seventeen hundred dollars. Uh, that was here in Mexico. It's just been here a couple of days for the team gathering. Uh, I also had this experience. You know, I'm like this person, very risk willing person. My plan was semi that, and I was like, if it's more than that, I'm just going to fly home. And then I had the experience, and that was in the U.S., okay, so to be fair. But this is actually true everywhere, which is that when that happened, when I, it was like a chest pain incident, and then I realized, like, what a stupid plan. I obviously can't fly home now. Like, <laughs> I have a medical emergency. Uh, so, so um, and, you know, so obviously you're getting the insurance. Yes, it would cover, you know, the, the odd doctor visit, right? And, 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 and you're, you're completely right. The expected, you know, odd doctor visit, it's nice to have that covered, but that's not like the thing, you know, it, the, the thing that makes you go, you know, you know, broke or in medical uh, problems is I should be seeking, you know, hospital care for this. And even in Mexico, that's get real expensive, real fast when you're in a hospital. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so no, I would say he, uh, 
he definitely uh, sh- sh- should get it. Um, not, but he just hasn't had anything go wrong with him yet. But over the course of a lifetime, something goes wrong. It's like nobody goes through their life and like nothing happens. You're fine until you, you die, you're like in old age. That's not how life plays itself out. So it's predictable. You just don't know when it's going to come. Yeah, um, that always drives me crazy, especially with my kids. Because like they get hurt and I'm like, well, they were probably due because they haven't been hurt in a while, but I don't ever want them to get hurt. <laughs> but like you said, it's going to happen and you know it is. So then when it happens, you're like, no. Yeah, to your point, yeah, you don't want to be trying to get on the plane home when it's happening. You're just like, uh. well, what about dental? Is that something that anybody, you guys or anybody in your industry is is like looking to cover? Is that just like a totally separate kind of thing? Because when you're a nomad or you're living, you know, you could be living abroad for three, four or five years. I need to get some cavities filled and things like that. Mm-hmm. So the nomad insurance covers what's called emergency dental. So that's different from the ones when you do the checkups. So Remote Health does have this dental add-on. Uh, it kind of varies how much it is, but it's like $10 a month or something. But, um, and uh, that's, you know, the checkups. Uh, nomad insurance does not cover that, which means that in a lot of cases, nomad insurance does not cover dental. Um, even in some cases where you kind of think like, isn't this, for it to be an, uh, an emergency, it has to be like, like it's something you have to get fixed. It's like an injury or something. Like uh, so, I would almost, if it was me, I would almost count it as not covered and just like because, but but it does cover emergency dental. So you know, if you have like an accident and hurt your teeth, yes, that that, that is covered. You know, and that's typically going to be the big bill. But the sort of uh, the the regular one, no, that's not covered in the kind of base nomad insurance package. Then you have to get remote health and a dental auto. Okay. Did I miss anything big in terms of like sort of FAQs? FAQs, um, can you buy it when you're abroad? People ask that, yes. Does anyone, should anyone not have insurance? You know, I, I would say it's just about what other coverage that, I don't think anyone should not have any insurance. I, I, I do think that's, it's the wrong kind of risk. Like it costs little to take this off and you can get really, really screwed if you don't uh, do it. Uh, so, so, you know, and if you, if you have, you know, enough money to buy a plane ticket, you have enough money to, to buy the associated insurance for sure. You know, so does that seem like, I don't know if that sounds like disingenuous where, you know, where I can't think of someone who shouldn't have it. Well, I think I understand what you're saying because uh, an example is certain credit cards in the U.S. cover rental car insurance, right? So I'm not going to pay for the rental car insurance because I know my credit card covers me. So it's about doing your own due diligence and seeing if you're covered already, then you might not need insurance. So what you're saying is if you're covered already and you have insurance, great, you're good to go. But if you're not covered, get some insurance. Right, exactly. (laughs) Is that what you mean? I I feel like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool couple more things and I know you got you got like a hundred people to entertain and, and hang out with so I don't want to keep you on the computer here well I mean you're in Mexico you're in Tulum it's it's I guess kind of known as a digital nomad hotspot right now as much as I hate the word hotspot in some ways this is your world right I mean where where in the world do you kind of like to go what are some of the places that you see as really nice places to to spend some good quality time and to work from mm, yes no it is it is a hotspot, um, or or a more attractive word. You know, like on the on the trip down here, meet this supremely interesting person who is like, you know, just gotten herself a remote job, so excited, you know, heading on the, the nomad journey. And that's the nice thing about Tulum Playa del Carmen is that the density is so high, uh, so that you know, random people are likely nomads, and that that's really nice. Um, and I, I think you have the same in Bali and certain places in Bali. Places I love, you know, I, I do actually love Tulum still. You know, there, there is some growing pains here, but I still love it. Uh, and I love this kind of uh, area growing up, you know, not not on the beach, but like closer to the town where they're building all these apartments. And the, the vibe there is very good for working long term. I've had a couple of stints here. So I do love uh, Tulum. Other places I love, uh, I do... Uh, 
one that is not a nomad place at all, but I just really liked is this, you know, it's such a cliche, but it is genuinely nice, like kind of Tuscany region in the middle of Italy. It's really nice <laughs> for like a downtime period. Uh, I really enjoy it. I, I was hoping in this autumn to go there for like three to six months, uh, see if we can rent like a, one of those stone houses and invite people there. That's like, it's a little dream right there. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, now they have those one euro houses in Italy. I'm always looking at those. Like, are these, that could be cool to buy one of those and, and make it like a little, a little nomad co-living village place or something. Oh my gosh. I mean, this is one of the things I love the most about our current time is the possibility of that. You know, we, we have, I've been thinking about that for so long. We, we, we are looking at, you know, um, potentially finding, you know, uh, one of those buildings like that and make like a safe doing castle slash nomad village. Um, and we just have to see if we can find a way to make sense. And, but that is, that I, I, I love that idea that because people can move around, you can make these new towns and, and villages. And I love those projects popping up uh, with, with the remote work villages and, and, and stuff. And, and, and I'm, I, I just want to see that kind of like flower into like a, such like a variety. So I can go to these like different towns that have like different vibes and they specialize. And I love that future. I'm so looking forward to it. So I hope people hurry and, and start these kind of things. Well, listen, Sandra, I know your, your employees are probably pretty busy doing a bunch of things, keeping the company running. So if you need somebody to go scout those locations for you over here in Europe, you know, I mean, <laughs> Just, just throwing it out there, you know. <laughs> no, let's definitely go. Uh, You're like, no, I'm going to be the one scouting those locations, buddy. Back off. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, you know, I appreciate that we just got the time to sit down and do this again, and it's just been really interesting to hear how things have evolved. You know, like I said, almost four years ago that we recorded originally, and how much you guys have grown and then, you know, how much the world has changed. It's just crazy to think back. So I, I mean, I have no idea where things are going in the future. Well, I mean, I guess it would be a last question. What, where do you think remote work and digital nomad movements going in the future? Yes. Uh, well, I mean, I, now I, I know, but I thought back then, you know, remote work, everything that can be remote will be remote. You know, the world is already actually a global labor market. It's just that people don't, fully realize it yet that opens up the possibility for everyone to be location independent and and live where they want to and where they want to is going to depend on their preferences you know that might be you know to travel if that's the time in their life a lot it might be the mountains it might be the sea it might be just a different city than the one that they're in you know it's just like you just like unleash the connection between I'm here because I have to, because my job is here, which is, or maybe it's home to your family. I've, I've noticed that a lot. People just uh, spending more time home with their families. So, so that is the future. And then, uh, and, and I do think there is this potentially utopian outcome here um, where, you know, where we build these value-based countries on the internet and people are given the equal opportunity and freedom to, to make, take advantage of that, both in terms of freedom of movement and, and access to the social safety net. And, and that, uh, you know, with that, a lot of, at least one source of division will kind of gradually cease, um, which is, of course, the sort of nation-state division and conflict. Uh, I do think that the nation-state will continue to exist, but it will be like when you went from city-states to nation-states in the 1600s. You know, it's, you still have city-states. They just don't matter that much, right? You st still have city governments. Um, so I, I think that's the future we're going into. And, uh, and uh, provided that countries take the approach, which they currently are, of like trying to compete to, to succeed in this new world, as opposed to, you know, fighting and outlawing, um, you know, then, then I, I think, you know, the, the transition might be smooth <laughs> and, uh, and there's obviously a great opportunity here for anyone, you know, looking to start some cool startups 
um, because so much has to be built in the new world. So that's that's how I saw it and see it still. Thanks for that. Uh, last question, because I usually end the show with a quote after the interview, but I'm curious if there are any quotes or things that kind of come up often for you that you sort of are, are living by in your daily life now? Do you have like any anything that comes to mind? Yes. You know, it's the, the safe-doing line, all problems are solvable, is, uh, is from the book The Beginning of Infinity by David Deutsch. And what that book does, you know, everyone can, can, can imagine, you know, that all problems are solvable, you know, it's like optimism, hope, etc. But what that book does is it proves scientifically without a shadow of a doubt that it's true, <laughs> uh, which I find found very compelling. Uh, so, so yeah, so that's, that's, that's a line I go back to it's, you know, whenever stuck or, you know, someone else is stuck, you know, it's just, it's just a, a mind shift from being stuck to, you know, how, I wonder how, what I can do to solve this, you know, applying creativity to the problem, no matter how impossible it seems. And that's remarkably uh, freeing. So I go back to that daily. Great. Well, thanks for your time today. Of course, safetywing.com and we'll leave the associated uh, links in the show notes and skull. I mean, you're going to go, I don't know. You guys probably have some fun things planned. I imagine a retreat with a hundred employees. What's uh, probably a secret, but by the time people listen to this, they're the secrets, not It's not going to be revealed to them. So I don't know what you're doing, but I assume beach time dinners, Oh, good times. Yeah. All that. Well, enjoy, man. Well-deserved. I'm sure keep in touch. And yeah, next time you come back to uh, Norway, it would be great to meet up. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Thanks for your time. have it thank you very much to sandra taking his time to chat while he was at his retreat down in mexico had no idea he was going to be there when we scheduled this but very cool and as i mentioned at the top if you do want to check out their stuff you want to support the show feel free to go through that affiliate link in the show notes that i have and see what they got what they're building is really cool and actually ties in with the quote i'm going to share with you in a moment first i do want to give a shout out to uh, Christy, down in Austin, Texas. Love the town. Love the tacos. Love the music. I know music doesn't start with a T. Ah, I can say I love the tunes. There we go. I love the tunes, the tacos, the town. (laughs) You get what I'm saying. I like alliteration. Sorry. Anyway, Christy wrote me an email and she said, well, I'll just read you a snippet. She said, we will be visiting Europe this summer. Me, my husband, and our five kids. Wow can't imagine that traveling with five kids i can't wait to hear how this goes uh she said this is going to include several train rides after listening to your recent podcast around trains i took many sleeper trains around russia as a 19 year old and loved it so i can't wait to take my kids on some train adventures and that is super cool i love that you get to share that with your family something you were passionate about isn't it funny how i feel like sometimes well depending, really at any age, right? We've all been children before, even if you're listening to this and you're, say, 19 right now, you might think about some things that you did when you were a kid that you just love. And I feel like some of these things that we do as young people, whether we're talking about like, you know, 10, 12, or 19, or whatever the case is, when we're young, it's just kind of what we're naturally attracted to. And I feel like we come back to those things eventually. Christy had these fond memories from her trip when she was 19, she wants to share that with other people. That's the beauty of it, right? The beauty of travel and getting to share it with a spouse, a partner, your children, whatever, when somebody travels to visit you and you get to give them an experience, always such a rewarding feeling. And those times are great when you get to share something you love with somebody else, a movie, whatever. So maybe that'll be the challenge for the day. Go share something you love with somebody else and enjoy it together. So congrats to Christy and her family. Hope we cross paths at some point. And let's now leave you with a quote. This one is from Albert Einstein. You know, he was no dummy. 
he said, we cannot solve our problems with the same level of thinking that created them. I love that quote. And you can see that in these unique solutions that come up uh, in the world today. It's a different level of thinking and we need that. We cannot solve our problems with the same level of thinking that created them. That inspires me to create a different level of thinking. How am I going to do that? I don't know. I'm going to go ponder it now. (laughs) Hope you have a wonderful day and thanks for your time today and I'll see you next time. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.